When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Some people just know there's a better way to do things, like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate, or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Go, you Redbirds! Go, you Redbirds! On the battle, fight for ISU! Welcome to In the Nest, the Illinois State Athletics Podcast. Now, here's the voice of the Redbirds, John Fitzgerald. Hi again, and welcome in to another edition of In the Nest, the official podcast of Illinois State Redbird Athletics from Learfield. I'm John Fitzgerald, and today we're joined by former Redbird assistant football coach and my current broadcast partner for Redbird Football on the Radio, Mr. Ted Schmitz. Today's conversation is brought to you in part by Jason's Deli. Redbird fans, all good things start with wholesome ingredients. Visit Jason's Deli in Normal on Veterans Parkway today and receive free ice cream with every purchase. Ted, thanks so much for joining us today. You are about to embark on year number 23 as part of the radio broadcast crew for Illinois State football here on the Redbird Sports Network from Learfield. But your roots go a long way back before the radio booth. Oh, golly. You know, Illinois State has become my home, by the way. It doesn't seem possible it's the 23rd year, but they asked me to fill in one time, and I've never stopped. So I'm glad to be here. But you're right, I go back in football long before that. Uh, I was pretty fortunate. I started out as a grad assistant at Eastern Illinois, and I was the defensive coach for Ben Newcomb, who a few years later got the head job at Augustana College and hired me as the defensive coordinator. Very young defensive coordinator in a college. And then three years later, Jerry Hart brought me here as a, a defensive ends and linebackers coach. And it was a, it's been a good ride ever since. It's been a great ride ever since. I've, I've loved Illinois State as my, as my home. Well, let's start with the days in Charleston at Eastern Illinois, a two-sport athlete for the Panthers. As a matter of fact, a pretty good baseball player as well. Yeah, you know, I, I was I was a captain of both sports, football and baseball. Uh, I actually was 
I, 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 Playing-wise, I think my best sport was baseball. I was a catcher and uh, could throw pretty good. Didn't hit real well, though, John. Once they found out, I couldn't hit that overhand curve. But anyway, it was a lot of fun, and we had a great run. We played, uh, you know, Marty Patton was a pitcher there. In his junior year, we went to the College World Series. Now, those days, it was the University Division and College Division. We were in the College Division World Series at St. Joe, Missouri. What a great experience. And uh, I'll never forget that game. Fred Bean, who pitched in the major leagues, and Marty Patton against each other, both of them struck out 20-some guys. And... Uh, Fred hit a triple, and the next guy hit a sacrifice fly, and they beat us one to nothing. I'll never, <laughs> I'll never forget that baseball game as long as I live. But it was a great experience in football with uh, Clyde Biggers took over. Actually, it was uh, Ralph Cole was the guy that recruited me. And then after three years, uh, Clyde Biggers came into my senior year, and that was a great experience for me as well. And Ben Newcomb and I got hooked up there, as I mentioned a little bit ago, um, it, it, he just let me coach the defense as, as on the freshman team, and that was a great experience for me. What a way to get started. First of all, when did the bug to get into the coaching profession really hit you? And B, was it more opportunity was available in football at that point than it was pursuing baseball from a coaching standpoint? Well, that, that's another good question. I Actually, I knew when I was in high school I wanted to be a, I wanted to be a teacher and a coach, and uh, – I went to East Peoria High School first after the grad assistant year as a football, basketball, and assistant baseball coach. And uh, I, I thought I'd probably end up being the head baseball coach there someday. And then all of a sudden this happened in uh, football with uh, Ben Newcomb. And uh, I, really, I, I really enjoyed coaching both. And I enjoyed the football so much that I knew then that I wanted to put my roots down and go to Augustana and be a football coach the rest of my life. So your first full-time job was in the Quad Cities at Augustana, yes. and, and that's a football program that you go back through history was one of the dominant ones in all of Division Three. Boy, we were like when I first went there, we had Kenny Anderson as our quarterback, and we, so we were pretty good on offense. I was coaching the defense, but Kenny was a junior. I was there three years. My first and second year, Kenny was a quarterback, and you know we had pro scouts at every practice, and uh, he, he was he was unbelievable and very intelligent. And, you know, look at his record. He was 24 for 24 one time in a Super Bowl game. <laughs> and I still keep a little bit in touch with him. I still, once in a while, Kenny's back in uh, the Cincinnati area. Really a good man. But uh, then after that, we, we all left. Four national championships in a row, Augustana won yeah. in Division III. Uh, it was, it was a, they just, they've always had good, good, good reputation, good facilities, it's always been a good football program. It hasn't been up to par as of late, but it's still overall a darn good football program. North Central's kind of taken over for them is what's happened. Yeah, but back when you go back to the 80s, maybe late 80s even, it was really almost Augustan and Dayton, who's going to be the Birds' first opponent this fall, were neck and neck for national titles, I think. You're exactly right. I think they played a couple of them, I think, and Augustana won both of them, I believe. Uh there was somewhere, maybe it was in the semis, but it was somewhere in the playoffs. You're right, Dayton has gone now into that, you know, their FCS non-scholarship, but that's pretty good football. Dayton's, Ohio is excellent football. I recruited there my last year here with, uh, when was that? Anyway, one of the years I was here, and I never saw so many good talent players in my life as I did when I went to recruit in Ohio. It's a, whew. You know, they talk about the South being a natural resource. Well, it is in Ohio also. <laughs> <laughs> they got players... So after you left Augustana, that was your first delve into Bloomington Normal and Illinois State joining the staff here. Who was the head coach at that point? 
His name was Jerry Hart, and I love the man to this day. He's he's passed on now, and I still keep in touch with his wife every chance I get. She's a beautiful person. Linda is, as you know, all coaches' wives are special people. And Linda, <laughs> Linda and Jerry, Jerry is the one that then got me into Canada because he left here. He went up to Canada, and uh, I stayed here with Coach Cowdery for four years. And after that, then I went up to Canada with Jerry Hart as his guest coach one year and then as a part-time coach the next year. And then they offered me a full-time job the third year, but I was able to get a good enough reputation to get the defensive coordinator's job at Hamilton, the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And the good Lord blessed me because we had some great players. And eight years I was there, we were in four Grey Cups, which is their Super Bowl. And we also, the one year we didn't, we ended up coaching their last All-Star game. But so we had a great, great run up there. And I was glad to at least take my wife to some good stuff for a change. <laughs> she had to put up with all this. We'll definitely talk about Canada, but those first eight or nine years, you had two stints on the Illinois State staff, but going back to the mid to late 70s, early 80s, before you went up to Canada was your first, and that was your longest one of about nine years right. with those two coaches that you mentioned. Talk a little bit, if you can, and it's it's really difficult to do, especially on the spot, but the comparison of campus and Hancock Stadium now and what it was like back in the mid to late 70s? That's a really good question. Uh, you know, this is a beautiful stadium now. We didn't have a beautiful stadium then. <laughs> it was kind of bad on that other side. But the football was good. Jerry Hart had uh, had recruited some good players in here, and uh, we had we had a pretty good run that first year. I think we won eight games, I think, one of the few times they did here. And uh, we had we, we were decent. We were always – after that was usually around 500, you know, either six and five or five and six or five, five and one. But uh, this is a lot better now. And once you get this bubble out here and keep getting everything, and I think the facilities here are very good now. Mm -hmm. And they were probably at that time pretty average. We didn't have the uh, Kaufman building. Uh, we worked out of Horton Fieldhouse right here. And it was okay, but it was, it's a lot, lot better today than it was then. Well, when you also take into consideration, obviously, football from a coaching standpoint, things have developed throughout the years. A lot of the fundamental aspects are the same. However, when you get into the recruiting cycles, when you get into the weight and speed conditioning that some of these athletes coming up now, that was a totally different ball game. I mean, back when you started here at Illinois State, and I think it was across the board with a lot of sports, guys worked on football during portions of the year when it was football time or maybe preseason time as opposed to 12 months which is almost the job they have right now. You're exactly right. And I remember we had a six-man staff, and, like, I was in charge of academics. We didn't have an academic staff. And you talk about a lot of work. You know, you're trying to be – you're trying to do – later on, defensive coordinator and keep up with all the academics and coaches secondary. You were challenged. And then you had – you know, the recruiting actually, I think, was a little tougher then than it is now because you went and knocked on doors in those days. Today, you, must, you pretty much do it with camps. And we had only one camp at that time. It was an Illinois Wesleyan, Illinois State Redbird camp. We combined the two. We had little kids in the morning and big kids in the afternoon. But that was the only camp we had. We didn't do the recruiting out of camps like they do today. I think this is better and a little bit easier than running all over all the time, all over the country. It was, it was tough, tougher recruiting. But I love recruiting. It was, it was my bag. I, I did a good job with recruiting. You know, you miss some, but uh, you hit some too. And it was a lot of fun for me. I liked, I liked recruiting. And, some of your time during that first stint was serving as the defensive coordinator here for the Redbirds. And it was, as we talk about 
the differences in the way things have developed in, in football, one of the things that jumps out at me is a coaching staff now from a week-to-week basis can come in Saturday after a ball game, Sunday morning, couple clicks of a mouse and they can watch the last three games of their opponent how did you even do advanced scouting and film exchange back in the late 70s you know really sometimes we would go physically scout and when i was at eastern Illinois, i actually went and physically scouted the last game and here what we would do is put the films together as fast as you could with the film department, and then you would drive somebody to exchange films. You'd meet halfway, wherever you were, whoever you were playing, you'd meet halfway and exchange exchange the three game films, and then come back and you'd be here till four in the morning and <laughs> breaking them down and getting ready for Monday, and then uh, meet with your squad on Monday, and then you have your practice on Tuesday. So it's a lot better. They've got it a lot better today than we did then. <laughs> I know that. But I, the thing I can remember is, like, Ben Newman and I, every Friday we took off to the whoever Illinois, or Eastern Illinois was playing next. We were at the game. We were there Friday night and at the game Saturday and came back. Then we had to present the scouting report to the team on Monday. It was a great learning, though, great learning experience. I'm telling you, it was, it was challenging, but it was very good. What do you think back to your first stint in that mid to late 70s, early 80s? Who were some of the players – that really stand out for you when you think back to that time? You know, here I had a linebacker by the name of Larry Lokank that I that stands out in my head all the time, a good linebacker, a big young man. And then we had a kid from East St. Louis by the name of Eddie Smith. These are guys that I coached, and, uh, you know, we had other players, but I was just trying to think of the guys that I had coached directly. Um, we had mostly Illinois kids, to be honest with you, and a lot of Chicago kids, suburban kids, and... Uh, a lot of those guys went into coaching themselves later on and, and helped us by bringing their kids that they coach back to us. Uh, there was a young quarterback here by the name of Eric Scott at one time out of Pennsylvania that was very good that people probably wouldn't remember that he was way back in the, that would have been early 70s even, probably 72, 3, 4, 5, somewhere in there. But there were a lot of good football players here, and uh, there always has been. There's, you know, And then I was fortunate enough to have Estes Hood in the secondary, I was coaching defensive backs and being defensive coordinator, and he was drafted in the third round by the Green Bay Packers and actually asked me to go with him to sign a contract. I said, Estes, I will get you a lawyer, and I will go in, but I will keep my mouth shut and sit and listen. But we went up. I was with him when he signed. He went from a poor kid to a rich kid in one day, and I was there with him, and we're still good friends to this day. I remember him very, very well. Uh, and we've had, you know, there's been other kids here, but that was the closest one to me that I had here at Illinois State. So nine years at Illinois State, then all of a sudden the Great White North comes calling, Canadian Football League. Was there an attraction to going to the professional football realm for you as a coach? And to be perfectly honest with you back then, what did you really know about the Canadian Football League? I didn't know anything about it, to be honest with you. But, you know, the thing that really won me, when I made up my mind I wanted to go into pro coaching instead of college coaching, because I turned down some college jobs. One back at Eastern under Daryl Mudra at the time. But I wanted to go to that pro because that academics got to me. <laughs> I, I, when I had to handle all those academics, I didn't like it. And I said, i got to get into pro ball where I can just coach. And uh, that was my main attraction to pro ball. And then when I went up to Saskatchewan with, uh, with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, I just fell in love with it. It was alert. You're, the first year you're lost. You really are. You know, six guys in motion, and they had great quarterbacks in those days. They don't today, but they did in those days. You know, you had the Warren Moons and the Doug Fluties, and every week you were going against somebody really, really good. 
I, I never forget my first, I went to Hamilton then as a defensive coordinator. My first year we're at Edmonton and, and going against Warren Moon. And he is tearing us up. And I'm, I'm on the sideline and the head coach is Bud Riley. And Bud comes up and he says, Ted, can we stop him? And I wasn't going to BS him. I said, nope. He said, get him ready for next week. <laughs> I'll never forget that. And his son, Mike Riley, is still coaching now. Mike is the head coach of the uh, New Jersey Generals in the USFL. And great, great people. Both of them really good coaches and good people. And I still keep in touch a little bit with Bud's wife also. He's passed, but his wife is up in Canada still. And really good people. I've had a lot of I, – I, it was a great experience for me being up there those 10 years. I love those people. You talked about the fact that – you participated in four great cups. You guys won one back in 86, I believe, with the Hamilton Tiger Cats. I don't know that many Americans, you see it on TV sometimes, and you see the 120-yard field and things like that, 110-yard field, I should say, excuse me. Um, but I don't know that they know exactly how big a religion Canadian football league is up there especially in some of those teams oh there you're right and uh, it's really good football it's it's and the, and the people support it and it's uh, you, i'm okay 19 my first great cup 1984 we're at edmonton in november 27 below zero 60,000 people in the stands <laughs> And I, we couldn't kick off. We had to get broomball shoes, <laughs> which was big suction cups on a on a tennis shoe. I'll never forget it. We got we got hammered. We weren't ready. We were not ready. And uh, in the next year, we'd played a little bit better. In the third year, we ended up winning that Grey Cup in '86. And we we really really good. Edmonton that was against Edmonton also. They were really good offensively. They had minus yards at halftime. We had some pretty good defensive linemen, John, that were. I'm still, in fact, one of them, Grover Covington, and I are still good, close friends. His son, who's my godson, by the way, just got traded from San Diego Chargers to the Detroit Lions. And uh, Grover and I talk all the time, and we text each other back and forth when we watch my godson, Christian, play. But he's about at the end, though. He's been in there about seven, eight years. He's about at the end. So you guys won it in 86. What kind of a response did you guys receive from the town of Hamilton after winning the Grey Cup? It was unbelievable, you know. <laughs> you talk about a parade, a parade of all parades. And I, I'm not being critical, but the Canadians do know how to drink. And <laughs> there, there, was, there was a lot of drinking going on, and it, it went on for the whole weekend. It, was, it went on a few days. I mean, it went, it was, it was outstanding, and the fans. And you, and I mean, you were a celebrity all of a sudden as, as a coach, and it was really, really good. A steel town, Hamilton's a steel, two big steel factories. So they had a lot of bars, and uh, all of a sudden you could go in and you didn't have to pay any more time. It was pretty good. It was pretty good. People are really good people, though, good, good-hearted good people. I loved them. And uh, I really like coaching. A lot of people don't, you know, think of Hamilton as kind of the last suburb of Toronto, but don't tell Hamilton people that. They're their own, and, and they're, they're steel town people, and they, they still are. And they, they copy the, the Pittsburgh Steelers. The uniforms are the same. Uh, everything we did was really a copy of the Pittsburgh Steelers because – Steel Town, and that's what they're known as. It's pretty nice. Well, the defense was like that too at yeah, times. Three guys. We were good. We we did have good. De- we had when you have defensive linemen, two of the four in the Hall of Fame, the middle linebackers in the Hall of Fame, and I coached those five guys. I had some pretty good guys, and they're always complimenting me. I said, guys, you some pretty good talent, guys. <laughs> you guys were pretty good. Grover still the leading sacker in the history of the CFL, and uh, that's when he only played sixteen games, and he. He, I mean, he could sack the quarterback. 
And the guy inside of him, Mike Walker, was a tremendous three-technique guy. And I'd flip them together. They'd play together. And Mike would flush them out and Grover would get the sack. So, I mean, I'm talking, these guys would each get about 20-some sacks a season, all of them wow. across the board. It was, a lot of people didn't believe me when I'd come back. I'd go to these NFL camps and they'd think I was lying. But I wasn't lying. They were good. <laughs> and uh, it, it, it's a lot of good memories. Now, the year after you won the Grey Cup in 86, you find yourself as the interim head coach in Hamilton for about seven or eight weeks. Talk a little bit just from a personal level standpoint. What kind of pressure was that to all of a sudden find yourself thrust into being a professional football head coach? You know, it was it was a lot more stressful than I thought it would be. Uh, our head coach, Al Bruno, had a heart attack. And uh, I'm defense coordinator. General manager calls me in, asks me to become the interim head coach. And sure, right away, you're darn right, I'd look forward to this. But there was a tremendous amount of stress. I, I never realized how much it would be. You had a media with the press every day at 1 o'clock, and you're still coaching the defense or trying to. Then, uh, you know, the travel, we I, I took over on a Wednesday. Friday, we traveled to Winnipeg and play a game Saturday in 47-mile-an-hour winds. I'll never forget it. It was in... You know, we got we got whipped, <laughs> and there was a lot of it was a lot of stress, a lot of pressure. But eventually, we we did all right, got us into the playoffs. And uh, I thought, to be honest with you, that I thought I'd have to stay with it through the playoffs. But Al came back, Al Bruno came back for the playoffs, and uh, but I, I was I was proud of what I did as far as getting us where we we had to go to get just to get into the playoffs. We got there, but it was a lot of it was a lot of pressure, a lot more than I thought it would be. Some people just know the best rate for you is a rate based on you with Allstate. Not one based on Carol. She's more focused on hitting a high note than the car in front of her. Why pay a rate based on anyone else? Get one based on you with DriveWise from Allstate. Not available in Alaska or California. Subject to terms and conditions. Rates are determined by several factors which vary by state. In some states, participation in DriveWise allows Allstate to use your driving data for purposes of rating. While in some states, your rate could increase with high-risk driving. Generally, safer drivers will save with DriveWise. Allstate Fire and Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates North Park, Illinois. Well, you guys had a great run at Hamilton, nine years overall that you were with that franchise, seven of which resulted in playoff yes. campaigns. That's a pretty good run. It was a great run, and, and uh, they, they, they have a lot of pride there in that. And uh, it, was, it, made it, it made it more fun to, to be with them afterwards, to be honest with you. And after the 87, 88, 89, 89, we went back to the Grey Cup. And uh, actually, we're, we led the entire game. The last play of the game, Saskatchewan kicked a 47-yard field goal to beat us, and that's the only time they led the whole game. But it was all because uh, at that, at, you, have, you have so many Americans, and the rest got to be Canadians. And our, our left corner got hurt. We had to put a Canadian out there. We were like three touchdowns up. We ended up losing the game in the end because of that. And they changed the rule the next year that you could then have what they call a designated import, which one guy could play special teams, he could be a skilled player, and he'd be like a, you'd have a corner, and then he could come in if a guy got hurt like that. And they now have three designated imports. So it's that game changed the rules in Canada quite a bit. And uh, But roster-wise, it's still about the same. I think it's like 20 Americans and 21 Canadians. They have one more Canadian than you do Americans. Now you have a successful run up in Canada, mainly with Hamilton for those last nine years. You serve as an interim head coach. At any point in your mind, do you start to think – maybe the NFL is something I want to dip my toes in. Without a doubt. I, that was my goal. Uh, one of my best friends in my life, if somebody's listening to this from way back, the Green Bay Packers, Super Bowl one and two, Elijah Pitts was a running back. And he came up to Hamilton, and uh, he and I became 
extremely good friends. I was defensive coordinator. He was offensive coordinator. Then he went with the Buffalo Bills. And uh, he actually had me interview for a job uh, one of the years. And uh, I was supposed to get it, but I didn't get it anyway. And he just said, don't worry, when I get my head job, you'll be with me. But that, that, that gave me the hope that I was going to be there. And, uh, but then he ended up getting stomach cancer and, and passed. I was actually a pallbearer for him. And uh, that was, but if, unless you work with somebody, you don't get there. And in other words, he, I had worked with him and he was going to get me there, but then I, I applied for a lot of jobs after that, but you don't get there unless they got to know you, they have to know you. And that, but that was my goal and I didn't get there. And, and if Eli hadn't gotten sick, I'd have gotten there because Bill Polian loved Elijah Pitts. Now, Bill Polian became the president of the Indianapolis Colts and he hired Tony Dungy. That would have been Elijah Pitts. And I would have been there with him if he had not gotten sick and passed. But uh, Tony Dungy sure was a good man. And Bill Polian probably the best personnel man that's ever been in the NFL. And he still does some work, I think, for mm-hmm. ESPN or whoever. But it was, that was my goal. That was a lot of fun. You know, it was exciting to go through that, and, you know, to have that as your goal and to, to, to try to get in there. It was a lot of fun. And uh, I was in Buffalo. Hamilton and Buffalo are only a little over an hour apart. So I was over there all the time we were off. And uh, Marv Levy was a head coach, and he had come from Canada. And Bopolian had come from Canada. And Eli I had worked with, so I was, they let me, I mean, I'm right in there with the meetings with them and everything all the time. And I would go to their preseason camp, and uh, it was good. It was good. I, I, I felt like I was part of the staff. Came close, made the run, and didn't get it. That's the way it goes. You, and you don't cry about it, you just go on. <laughs> So you make the move back down here, even during your time in Hamilton and in the Canadian Football League, which seems like a ways away. Your base was still right here in Bloomington Normal, however. You know, I, the general manager, Joe Zuger, liked me, and uh, he wanted me to—I became a—in the, in the off, we, your, your season ran June through November, and then your full-time, you got to do something. I was a scout for him. He, I was the Midwest scout for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. What I would do is, after the Grey Cup in November— December, January, February, I would come and I would scout mainly Canadians for the Canadian draft, which took place late in February. And there was a lot of Canadians, the best Canadians played in the MAC, and they were mainly offensive linemen. So I would spend most of my time there. Then I'd go up for the draft. Then I would come back, and the next three months where you, you went for Americans, I had the Big Ten that I would scout for Americans. But you're only looking for very few because you're only allowed so many Americans, and each year you maybe be looking for just a few, and and but you you would scout the whole Big Ten, and uh, when when Mike White was at Illinois, I I just spent all my time watching film over there. When he left, they didn't allow me anymore. I then went to Ohio State with John Cooper, and uh, had to, had to run over their offices and everything all the time. It was really really a great experience for me. I loved it. it when but naturally with White, I just lived here at home in Ohio. My wife had a cousin there, so I just stayed there with her, and it was. Well, the, I'm telling you, John, the years went fast. You're, you're so busy. You know, the season went fast six months, and then you're doing that scouting, and then you have two different, you know, it was really kind of fun, though. You did the three months of the Canadians, went up. The thing I enjoyed the most was the draft of the Canadians. You're, you're the, the general manager and the head coach are on the, on the, up on the board, I call it, and you're down here, and you had to make the calls because mm-hmm. you got it set up where you're going to take, but all of a sudden your guy's, got taken and said, who do we take next? You know, and so that was my job. I loved it. It was a lot of fun. And setting it up, too, you, you'd go into a room, a huge room, and you'd have thousands of names all over the board in, in every position. And uh, 
you know, you're, you're kind of, as one of the scouts, there was four of us, there was four scouts. There was, I was a Midwest, there was an East, a West, and a South also scout. And uh, we were the main ones that had to keep everything on track. It, it was great. It was a lot of fun. And we had good teams, so we were doing a pretty good job. While your home base was still here as you were doing that in the off season, what was next after Canada for you? Well, I, I came, I, it actually came down, he was fired then in, let's see, I'm trying to think, 91, 91, I think. Yeah, 90 was my last year. Head coach got fired, and I thought I'd be the interim head coach again, but Joe Zuger was still the general manager who I got along great with. And he said, came in, he said, Ted, the last time you were interim, the defense went down. He said, I don't want that to happen. When I got three games left, I'm going to name our personnel director. I said, fine. But then after the season, I asked him, you know, what was my situation? He said, you're on the short list automatically. He said, just go on home. He said, I'll let you know. He said, you'll be in the final three. So it came down to me and that personnel director. And I thought, to be honest with you, I thought I would get it without a question of a doubt. I, I was much more prepared than he was, but he got it. And uh, I, he's just one of those guys I couldn't work for, to be honest mm -hmm. with you. So I actually went to Bloomington High School and coached a couple of years and had a good time there, too. So it was with uh, Terry McCombs, and we had Billy Dickin as our quarterback. And went to, we actually played for the state championship right out here with an undefeated season one year and then got beat by Joliet Catholic in the semifinals the next year. And then I came back to Illinois State. So it was, it was hard to do to do that, but that's what I did, and, and I don't regret it one bit. I don't regret it one bit. That guy happened to go 0-10 the next year, by the way, and he got, <laughs> he got, he got let go. Not that you were paying attention at all. No, no. I won't mention any names. <laughs> and then you come back to Illinois State, and it was a shorter stint than your first one, but a pretty successful one with some with a good coaching staff that you worked with. You know, Jim Haycock was a good coach. He, you know, a lot of people didn't care for him for some reason, but he, he was a darn he was excellent special teams coach and really good defensive coach. And my first year, I, I worked on the defense with him. And I, but I stayed teaching at Bloomington High School. He wanted me to come and be the full-time defensive coordinator. But I knew that he was possibly going to have to get I didn't. I, I was getting to the age where I can't be jumping around like I was. Mm -hmm. So I kept my job at Bloomington High School. And uh, the next year, I, I actually he moved me over to offense. I ended up coaching the running backs for two years. And I really enjoyed that. But we had a lot of fun. I, the, the, uh, There's a lot of lot of coaches in and out of here. Coach Haycock was known to be a good hire, but he fired a lot of awful good guys <laughs> awful fast. And I love Jim. He's still a friend of mine. But uh, I worked with a lot of real good people and uh, still friends with a lot of them. And, and and I'm telling you, Paul Chris was one of them. He, you know, he just was a head coach at Wisconsin. Uh, and the, one of the guys is like come on is in the NFL now. That was one of the defensive coaches. And it, they, we, we had a lot of real good people here. And uh, but the time was just had just run out for Coach Haycock. He was, I think, nine years, I think, and it was it was at the end, and we were, you know, five hundred ish all the time. Illinois State's been kind of a five hundred ish type program. It really it hasn't been bad, but it, it's only once in a while it's really good, mm -hmm. and uh, that and that was it was time for Jim to go, and he, and he went in, he became the defense coordinator at Ohio State, and had a good run. So it was it was good. It was it was good. And uh, Todd Berry came in here and did a real good job, too, for Illinois State because he was a good offensive coach. And then from your last year coaching to the first year in the booth, how much time passed? Uh, boy, you know, at that time, I'm trying to think now. See, I actually went – then I went to I, – I started up the downtown team in, in, uh, in the Bloomington Extreme then at that time after, after Haycock left in two years. 
I went, I started in, I scouted for 10 years, excuse me, I scouted for 10 years for the CFL. I was a scout. And then I started up the indoor football team with the Bloomington Extreme and did that. I was head coach, personnel director, general manager, assistant general manager, all kinds of different titles for about 10 years. And uh, I really enjoyed that too. The indoor, the people here supported it. They were I end, but I end, I, what I ended up doing down there, John, I'd go in the booth for all the time, except when I was a head coach and you had to call offense and defense from down on the field. But that was, I think, I might be a misinterpreting there, but that's where I, where I thought you were going. I'm not sure you were. And you had, you had two stints as the head coach with the extreme. You went back right. in 2010 right. and led them to the playoffs right. to finish 6-0. and But as we talk about that entity, and I, I know the leagues have changed at times during during your stint with the extreme, but that was really you want to talk about a startup company or a startup franchise. That was it. I mean, you were involved in everything from buying uniforms to getting space to getting practice space, finding housing for players. That was that was in essence a passion play for you wasn't it it sure was uh, you know we had to borrow footballs to have our tryout <laughs> I, I went over to illinois westland and rented their stadium and i said this part of this has got to be you got to rent you got to give us balls you got to use your balls but we did we started from scratch and we were late and we were we were in the united indoor football league which is it's now it's just called the ifl and it's the best indoor football league in the united states in the whole country and uh a lot of people thought that that arena on tv was the best but it was not the best was this league and it still is and it does not have the nets it's nothing but a college game on a half a field and you know we that first year we weren't very good but we got started late well if we did sign a bunch of semi-pro kids out of chicago and holy cow we got whipped pretty good and then but then the next year we were in the playoffs third year we played sioux falls for the championship out there the whole for the whole ball of wax and uh, that league is still going strong. It's got it's all over the whole United States. It's it's got a West Division, a South Division, a Midwest Division, an East Division. It's really good. And uh, we actually tried to start it back up again. Another guy and I a year ago, but uh, the the City Council of Bloomington has raised the rent down there to the point where the, the owner will not pay it, and can't blame him. He it's just too much. They tripled the rent, and he just can't do it. This will be year number 23 as part of the radio broadcast crew for Illinois State. You said you kind of filled in to start this whole broadcasting career post-coaching. How did that all come about? Well, you know, I, actually I was scouting a game. It was a preseason game, the Green Bay Packers and Washington Redskins at the University of Wisconsin. And uh, Mossman was the guy's name that was here that was doing the analyst. And he had left to get a job at Oklahoma, and they called me. It was a Thursday night game up there. It said, can you get back here Saturday to do the game? I said, yeah, I'll be glad to. And I came back, and uh, that's I, I fell in love with it. And uh, I've been doing it ever since, and I hope I can continue for a while with you because we have a lot of fun. You know that. It's good. <laughs> it's real good. And yeah. Craig, our sideline guy, is a pretty good guy too. <laughs> 100%. And uh, can't get here soon enough as we start talking about this right now in July. But worked with Mark Johnson. Obviously, I worked with Dick Lucky for a number of years until his retirement um, just a year or so ago. We worked together back at the O2 season. You've been through some coaches. Greg Hallblad, as well. That's right. You've been through some coaches as well during that span. And 
as you kind of take it all in, what are some memories from your broadcasting time with Illinois State football? And I, I'm sure one that stands out is obviously the runner-up season for the national title. That's number one for sure. And I still feel we should have won that game. But that was really, really exciting. And you know, when the, the most exciting game was the one before that at New Hampshire. It, we won that game on a great play late in the game. And both Dick and I, both of us, our, our voices cracked. We were both about in tears. We were, it, was, it was phenomenal to think we were going. We, you know, we had gone from the East Coast to the West Coast to now going to the South. It was unbelievable. This team, we played out in Eastern Washington, then you go to New Hampshire, now you're going down to Frisco, Texas. And we should have beaten North Dakota State that day. We were the better team, I'm telling you, we were. <laughs> it's, and that's a, what a great, great thrill that was, though. What a great, that whole year was just so phenomenal. And uh, getting that playoffs and, you know, we, we had the good quarterback. And that, you know, Trey Roberson, he's still playing corner, not quarter, cornerback in Canada. He's still playing. Great athlete. But he, he, was, the, he was the reason we were able to break, to go to the top. He was, he was the answer. Now, some play-by-play broadcasters, analysts aren't necessarily around on a day-by-day basis, but you've really over the years, especially with Coach Spack and his staff, entrenched yourself amid this football building to really have a great understanding of what's going on on a day-to-day basis. You know, first of all, I'd like to say Coach Spack and his staff, you talk about good people. They've been so good to me, I can't even explain it. But Coach Spack and I are very good friends, and uh, yes, I'll be at practice every day, and uh, he lets me in on the meetings a lot in the off season, and it, it, it helps because all of a sudden we know we know a lot about the personnel, we know a lot about the in and outs of the program, and uh, it's been it's been just really 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 good for me to have Coach back as the head coach and be treating me as good as he has, and also Coach Niekamp, the defensive coordinator, has been extremely good to me. I go in there with the defensive staff when they have their meetings, and when they don't, I'm in the office with him a lot, and we're going over. A lot of things, you know, personnel and evaluations and uh, defenses. And, well, it's just really, really, really been good for me to, to be able to do that. And it, uh, I think it helps us in our job here to, to do what we do. Without a doubt. And you, obviously, over the last couple of years, battled through the whole COVID thing with football. Last year, a little bit disappointing due to so many injuries that took place on the staff on both sides of the football but this is a year that I think everybody in town, everybody on campus, everybody associated with the athletic department is pretty excited about because this is a talent-rich ball club that's going to be taking the field this fall. If this team stays healthy, th- this will be a good year. This is a playoff team. Uh, you're always number one, your quarterback, and we've got a darn good one in Zach Anderson, but he has to stay healthy, I think. Uh, Tommy Rittenhouse is doing a good job behind him, but your quarterback – is your carburetor, I always call it. And uh, he's got to be there. And, and you know, Coach Niekamp always does such a great job with the defense. He will scheme relative to the talent he has. He will put something together to always be good. And when you have that together, and then this year I think we got good special teams as well with it. I, I don't see any real holes unless you would have a rash of injuries, which I hope doesn't happen. There is pretty good depth, especially now at offensive line, which you didn't have the last two years. There's 20 guys out there now in practice that are pretty darn good. Um, and I, I think the whole team has pretty good depth, especially offensively, that, that can carry this team to the playoffs. Should be fun. All gets going on Saturday, September 2nd, when the Birds take on Dayton at a 12 noon start. It'll be Ag Day. 
at Hancock Stadium. Well, as you look back, in essence, two full careers, one in broadcasting, one in coaching, what are some of the biggest things that jump out at you as you kind of take the broad brush approach and look back at it? Well, it's been all football, I'll say that. And it's, it's been, you know, from the coaching to the scouting to the broadcasting, and it's been a lot of fun to watch, you know, go. For, it used to be a defensive game. It no longer is. It's now an offensive game. And it's been fun to watch and try to keep up with uh, the changes and, uh, you know, learn all the time. You're learning something by staying in it. You, you, you're not being old school. Mm-hmm. You're learning the new all the time. You know, like when I was coaching the defense coordinator, you had to be a run defensive coach. You really did. Today, you have to be a pass defensive coach. And uh, I, th- I think that offensively, it's the same thing. You had to be a run offensive coach. Now you have to be a pass offensive coach. And Coach Pack has adjusted very well and they're doing a great job with this group. And you're going to see it this fall. The people will want to come out to the games because they're going to, they're, they're going to be exciting. They're going to score a lot of points. Well, Ted, thank you so much for your time today. It's been it's been a pleasure to kind of go back memory lane and somebody who's such a huge part of the fabric of not only this community, this football program, this athletic department, but uh, somebody who means a lot to me and has been a great friend. I really appreciate your time, Ted. Oh, man, this, is, this has been a, a lot of fun, John. I can't wait till you and I get going again in that booth on August 2nd. We'll have fun. And Craig Birchie in the sidelines, a good guy, too. <laughs> Absolutely. That's Ted Schmitz. He's been our guest this week on In the Nest. That'll do it for this episode for our entire Redbird Sports Properties crew. This is John Fitzgerald. We'll talk to you next time right here on In the Nest. This has been In the Nest the Illinois State Athletics Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review however you listen. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation on the Xfinity Mobile Redbird Sports Network. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.